Hey there, welcome to BSing with Brandy, where my mission is to help you get shit done. I'm your host, Brandy Good, and today we're going to talk about when you shouldn't automate things in your business. So I'm often talking about automation and how you should do it as much as possible, but there are definitely times when automation is going to do your business a disservice. And so I wanted to talk about those times specifically so that people could kind of understand, like, I'm not saying that you should have bots and, like, Zapier and everything running your business 100% of the time. There are times when it is not appropriate to automate, but that can differ from business to business and situation to situation. So, What I want to do is I kind of want to give a few maybe general guidelines for when you shouldn't automate if you're kind of in a position where you're trying to figure out what you should do. And then I want to dive into some specific examples, like really specific things that maybe you should never automate or maybe an example of where an automation went wrong. And one more thing, I just want to clarify what I mean when I'm talking about automation. So a lot of people hear the word automation and it kind of scares them away because they are thinking about like really complex things happening with supercomputers. And when I'm talking about automation in terms of business, I mean, sure, that has its place in big business. But what I mean by business automation is anything that you can set up that runs without the intervention of another human, i.e. you. So consider this example. Hopefully on your website, you have some sort of contact form or sign-up form or opt-in form. And so somebody comes along, they fill out the form, they hit submit, And then they're going to get some sort of email probably within seconds from you that's either like a welcome email or if it's a download, whatever they signed up for or something like that. Now, you weren't sitting at your computer 24 hours a day waiting for that form to be submitted so you could manually send that email to that person. That was all set up automated. So That's a really simple example that I think we can all relate to. And so that's what I'm talking about with automation. It can obviously be more complex than that, but it's very basic. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. So let's start with some more general situations where you probably don't want to automate. And so... The first, the big one, uh, is when you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) And I don't mean that you don't know what you're doing with automation. I mean that you don't know what you're doing, period. So if you have some sort of business process and you don't actually understand it or know how to complete it or have a clear idea of what you want to happen at the end of that process, then you shouldn't be automating it because there's, shoot, I can't remember. There's a quote out there that it's basically like when you put garbage in, you get garbage out, um, talking about like computer programming and stuff. So computers are just telling 
are just doing what we tell them to. And so if we tell them to do the wrong thing, well, what do you think they're going to do? So, <laughs> uh, so if you have something that you think, oh, it'd be nice to automate this, but you don't have a clear picture of what you're doing, then don't automate it. You need to work it out. Um, either get someone, someone to help you figure out the steps and then automate it or just do it manually until you've got a good handle on it. That's the best advice. Like I always give people when they're trying to decide, should I automate this or not? And it's like, well, do you have all the steps worked out manually? Because if you don't, then how are you supposed to tell the computer what to do when you don't have those steps worked out? So that's kind of the first, the first big hint that maybe you shouldn't automate something. You don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, the, the other one is when it's something that, um, isn't a repeatable process. So automation is good for straightforward, repetitive tasks. Now you, you can certainly get really complex with automation by linking together a series of straightforward, repeatable tasks. Um, but if you have something that you do every month, but depending on what's going on in your business, that process changes um, every single time you do it, or there's always something different about it. You have to go to a different place to get a file or some months you have to check for certain information and other months you don't. Um, those are the kinds of things that are not a good candidate for automation, because again, it would be very difficult. Um, if you had a computer programmer, they could probably do it, but it will be very difficult for you to automate those steps when they require your judgment and decision and brain power to complete them every single time. The third kind of general scenario where I wouldn't recommend people automate is, well, it's kind of, it's kind of a two-parter. Um, so it's something that happens infrequently. So like something that you just do quarterly or annually, because sometimes these tasks can be more trouble than they're worth to set up an automation. So if there's something that happens infrequently, but it's really simple and straightforward, then obviously automate away. Um, But, you know, if it is a bit more complex and the time it would take you to figure out how to automate it is far more time than you have available right now or far more time than it would actually save you down the road, then that might not be something you want to automate. Now, to be fair, you could hire someone to figure out um, how to automate that task if you think eventually it is going to save you time. And sometimes it's not just about time. Sometimes it's about frustration as well. Uh, So even if there is something that, you know, maybe only takes you a half hour, you just absolutely hate doing it. Um, Then having someone that you've hired spend a couple hours figuring out how to automate that task uh, is probably going to be worth it to you. So just 
to kind of sum up um, those general thoughts, uh, times when you probably shouldn't automate, uh, number one, when you don't know what you're doing, um, <laughs> number two, when it's something that doesn't have set repeatable steps, or number three, if it's infrequent or is more trouble setting up than it's worth. So in a, in a nutshell, that's the kind of scenarios where I tell people, maybe you should be doing this manually for a bit and then look at automating. But what about some specific examples of when you shouldn't be automating in your business or examples of when automation went wrong. So I want to share some of those things with you. And these are typically the things that I see the most. And a lot of the time, I think I think people do them because they're so focused on saving time that they don't maybe realize the impact that they're having um, on the people interacting with their business. Or it's just they haven't properly worked through the steps of what needed to happen, and then the automation has kind of gone awry. Um, So the first one has to do with email. And I wanted to mention this first because it's come up a lot recently, um, I want to talk about B-School. And so this is nothing negative about B-School or Marie Forleo, but Marie Forleo has a lot of affiliates for B-School, and I subscribe to a lot of the people who happen to be affiliates for B-School. Now, I am a B-School alum, and I purchased it through one of these people that I'm still subscribed to. So when I get emails from other people that I've subscribed to recently um, pitching B-School to me, you know, I know in my head, well, they wouldn't know that I'm already a B-School alum. And so they wouldn't know not to send me that email. So the ones that I love are the ones where they have like a special link that says, if you don't want to hear about B-School, click this, but you'll stay on the list. Um, And so, of course, I do that. But then some don't. So it's kind of uh, been a little bit irritating the last couple of weeks getting all these emails promoting B-School when I've already bought it. (laughs) Marie Forleo already has my money. Um, But here's the one that bugs me the most because it's where some automation has gone awry. The person who I, the affiliate who I bought B-School from, every single year still sends me an email pitching B-School. And I'm like, look, (laughs) I bought B-School through you. I should be tagged in your system somewhere that you don't need to send me these because I'm not going to buy it again. Um, The bonus would have to be crazy, crazy, crazy bonkers for me to pay for something all over again that I already have access to. so, you know, all it would all it would take is 
that person, I'll say her because most of the affiliates are women. So I can say she, I'm not going to call out who it is. But, um, so when I purchased that from her, she should have set up some sort of tag or added me to a, a list that was specifically for her B-School affiliates. And then when she's pitching B-School every year after that, she should exclude those people. Now, to be fair, um, I've talked about this with other people with, you know, explaining to them, well, you shouldn't send this to your people who have already bought something. Um, and they say, oh, but I want them to know about it because then maybe they will, you know, share it with a friend or forward the email to someone who's interested. Fair enough. But uh, if they don't want to do that, you should then give them the option to opt out of those specific emails. Um, so from this particular person, I wish she would do one of two things. Number one, not send me emails promoting B-School because I already bought it from her. She has part of my money as well. <laughs> or um, give me the option to opt out of just B-School emails so I stay on her list and get the, the regular um, mailings, but not the B-School stuff because I'm already a customer. So there's something in her email service provider that has been mistagged or the campaigns aren't being segmented properly or something like that. And I think that getting emails for things that you've already purchased or opted in for is probably the number one pet peeve I hear from people when we're talking about um, tagging and segmenting in email um, software. Because it's like, don't they know I already bought it? <laughs> Why would I buy it again? So that is, that's just a case of maybe it wasn't fully thought through when it was originally set up, um, or they're not thinking about how annoyed <laughs> the subscribers are for getting information that they've already purchased, or not thinking, hey, we should give them an option to opt out. Uh, so that's a little bit of email automation gone wrong. Uh, the, the next few examples actually um, all pertain to social media. This is a big one. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about let's talk about autoresponders, but for social media. Now, Facebook pages have built-in autoresponders. So I think it's okay. At least I think it's okay because I do it. <laughs> if you don't think it's okay, let me know. Um, I'd love to hear your opinions. But on Facebook, I have an autoresponder set up when... I'm out of the office. And so I actually have the schedule set up on my Facebook page. It says, these are my hours. And if somebody messages my page outside of those hours, send this message to them automatically that says like, Hey, I'll be back in the office, you know, tomorrow or whatever it happens to be. Um, thanks for your patience, blah, blah, blah. Now on Instagram, however, so Instagram doesn't have any sort of built in, Auto responder feature 
Um, it would be interesting to see if that is going to change uh, with like now that Facebook owns Instagram, they've been adding a lot of features, but for now um, you have to use kind of like a third party app if you want to auto DM someone. Now, number one, most of these auto DMs are triggered when you like or when you follow a page and then you get an auto DM. So the thing about Instagram, there's something funny about Instagram that's different from Facebook. On Facebook, people can accept some more automation. On Instagram, people really, really hate it. So if I like your page, or sorry, I follow your Instagram account, and I automatically see that I've got a new DM. I know you're using a bot. Um, and I know, and it seems like people use these bots always to pitch, not to engage. So maybe that's just something that needs to change. I have gotten a few auto DMs where they were actually were engaging. Like the people were like, hey, this is a bot, but I wanted to say hi and welcome you and thank you, know, thank you for following my account, blah, blah, blah. But most of them are like, thanks for following. Here's my 14-page guide on how to do X, Y, Z in five days. And I'm like, I probably don't care. <laughs> like, I didn't follow you so that you could pitch me immediately. So anyway, um, that just, just on Instagram, that just drives people bonkers. Now, the other thing, um, which is a particular, I mean, this happens on Twitter. Uh, it does happen on Facebook a bit, but again, it's mostly on Instagram is using bots to follow and engage with people. So before I talk about what it is, I want to emphasize that using third-party software to engage with other accounts is actually a violation of Instagram's terms and conditions. And they've cracked down really hard on accounts who are who are using this and they you'll actually get penalized. Kind of like the minimum thing would be your posts would start to get less reach and less engagement. Um, worst case, they'll shut your account down. And when your Instagram account gets shut down, it is so hard to get it back. Now, if the idea of having your account performance penalized or your account shut down doesn't scare you and you're willing to risk it, um, here's the the other things about those bots that are going to hurt you in the long run. So um, the, the ones that like auto comment on things, the, the issue is that um, because they are just bots and they're just kind of doing what you tell them to. So often their comments have to be generic enough that they would fit with any conversation. The problem is that being generic makes them stand out and makes it obvious that they're bots. Or if you just always get comments from someone where it's like a couple of random emojis and they never write, it's like that might be a bot. Um, it might be someone who just prefers to speak an emoji. <laughs> 
but chances are it's a bot. Or if if it's just like great post, um, or even worse, great post. Hey, come follow me at, and then you know their um, username. Those are usually bots, and those are spammy bots. So that's the kind of thing that you shouldn't automate. Don't automate your engagement. Um, even outsourcing your engagement can be a little dicey, but that's a conversation for another day. So it's fine if you want to automate your posts, but when you want to engage with another post or somebody has commented on one of yours and you want to respond, you should do that yourself as a human being. Um, Because for the most part, even though like AI and bots are getting sophisticated, our brains are still really, really good at picking up when something doesn't seem quite right. Um, and a, a bot or computer can only fool you for so long, if at all. So don't like insult your followers' intelligence by having a bot comment on all their stuff and expect them to appreciate that. <laughs> Um, chances are those are comments that they're just going to delete or hide um, or they're going to end up removing you as a follower if they see that you're just using a bot all the time. Then the other the other uh, social media thing I want to talk about, so this has, doesn't have to do with bots, but it does have to do with scheduling posts, but specifically like cross-posting. So I am 100% advocating for scheduling social media posts, but you shouldn't take the exact same post with the exact same words and character count and hashtags and image and links and videos and stuff and put that exact same post up on every social network. And actually... Um, I'm seeing this more and more with Facebook and Instagram because they're getting more integrated. And so um, it's almost like Facebook is like encouraging it a little bit, people to post both in the same place. But like third-party tools have allowed you to do this forever. So here's the thing that I see a lot and I wonder why, why are people doing this? Um, So you go onto Facebook and you see a post with an image and there's some text and you click see more and then you click see more and then there's the rest of the caption and then a bunch of dots and then 30 freaking hashtags. And I'm like, okay, this was a post for Instagram that this person just also said, yes, post this to Facebook as well because they were... Um, maybe too lazy to customize the post for Facebook. <laughs> um, so that's the kind of thing that, like, number one, if people wanted to see all your hashtags, they would follow you on Instagram. But number two, for you as the business, there are lots of studies out there that say that using hashtags on Facebook actually hurts the performance of posts. And I don't know, my gut tells me 
it's just one of those things that people on Facebook just hate hashtags because when Facebook first rolled out hashtags, everyone was like, hashtags are for Twitter and Instagram. I don't want to see them on Facebook. And then that has just been the culture ever since. (laughs) Um, But so whether it's because people hate them, so they're less likely to engage with a post that has hashtags or because of people cross-posting from other networks, people on Facebook are like, I don't want your lazy posts cross-posted from other networks, and so they're not engaging. Um, Whatever it is, uh, if you are cross-posting from Instagram or even Twitter or even Pinterest, um, Pinterest does hashtags, so you could be cross-posting from there as well. Look at Compare the posts that have the hashtags in to the ones that don't and see which ones have better engagement, better reach, because there's a good chance that the ones with hashtags are not performing as well and are overall damaging your page's performance. And it only takes like a minute to customize your posts, like seriously, Um, you know, Instagram is good with square. Facebook can do square, but it also can do horizontal and even vertical to some degree, as long as it's the image isn't too tall. Um, but then, of course, when you... Um, Instagram doesn't do links, but a Facebook post can have a perfectly good link in it. Um, and also character count... They have different character counts and things like that. And then remove your hashtags from Facebook. So it only takes, like I said, a minute to customize your posts. So those are just a few examples of automation that are not doing you any favors. Um, There are probably a lot more out there that you guys can think of. Um, maybe little pet peeves that you've come across. These are the ones that are kind of top of mind for me today. So those are the ones that I wanted to talk about. Otherwise, that wraps up today's episode of BSing with Brandy. So if you enjoyed this topic, you can find more like it at bsingwithbrandy.com. That's Brandy with an I, not a Y. And there you can also find the show notes for today's episode and links to any resources that I may have talked about that you might be interested in. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe to future episodes on the platform of your choice. And I wish you all the best getting shit done this week.